hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Fluently Forward. Today, we have on Eli Rallo, aka The Jar from <laughs> the Jar from TikTok, or you might know her from Instagram or her own podcast, and we are talking all about celebrity blind items on the movie Mean Girls. We all know and love Mean Girls, and I am always interested in doing blind items on shows and movies because I'm like, what happened? You know, like, was everyone friends? Were those four girls in the movie fighting, you know, or were they not? Like, I'm just curious about the dynamics and things like that. So if you want to head over to Instagram, because Eli and I chat a little bit in the beginning, and I know sometimes I read reviews and people are like, you chat too much. Um, so if you just want the meat or the beef, uh, head on over to Instagram for a timestamp. But Eli and I chat for a little bit at the beginning, then we do some like fun facts, information about Mean Girls, and then we get into the blinds on each individual person, you know, Tina Fey, the four main girls in the movie, um, Jonathan Bennett, a.k.a. Aaron Samuels, who looks so sexy with his hair pushed back, and Lizzie Kaplan, a.k.a. Janice Eans, who might be a lesbian, guys. I don't know if you heard about that. So without further ado, we're going to get into it. All right. Hello. I'm here with a special guest to talk all about Mean Girls lore and blind items. We have Eli Rallo, aka The Jar On. Welcome to the podcast and introduce yourself and what you do. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I love Mean Girls. This is going to be awesome. You might know me as The Jar on TikTok, but my name is Eli. I'm originally from New Jersey and currently live in New York City. I'm 23 and I do TikTok and Instagram full time. I have my own podcast, so I'm not new to talking into a microphone, but I'm very excited to be here because I think we connected over my conspiracy theory, like my Selena Gomez conspiracy theory video that I did not expect to go viral. It was one of those that I was like, oh, wow, we're doing this. Yeah, it was the conspiracy theory. It was all about Kanika Jenkins, too, and she, oh my God, it's still unsolved. It was like, she was wandering around, and when I say wandering around, I mean that's how you remember her in video footage, but she went to a party in hotel in Chicago, and she was found dead in one of the freezers, right? Yeah, like and I think it was freezers. fully murder. Like, I think someone must have pushed her, pushed her in. Yes. Because... I don't care how drunk I am, I don't walk into an industrial-sized freezer. And they're heavy to open. They're hard to open. And you have to, usually they have the type of handle that you have to pull down Mm -hmm. and out. Like, it's not a handle that if you're that drunk, and she looked really drunk. Yeah. It's not the handle if you're that drunk that you just, you know, and also, you think that she might have been screaming. There's just a lot of things wrong, and there's also been other conspiracy theories, too, where people in New York City have been found dead at the bottom of trash chutes, and people are like, oh my god, they got drunk, and they put themselves in the trash chute, and I'm like, that is murder. No matter, I have been drunk, I have been high out of my mind, I've never been like, let me put myself inside of this trash chute. There's never been one minute in my life, no matter how drunk or high I am, that I'm like, I'm gonna dive down a trash chute, or like, especially growing up in the restaurant industry, and not that everybody has this experience, but I know an industrial freezer or fridge also most people know that when you're wandering through a industrial kitchen you're gonna see a door that looks metal like the outside of it is silver it makes it very clear to itself that no matter how blacked out you are i don't even think you're strong enough if you're that drunk to open it no you're not well and here's where the theory comes into play people were that happened this girl died or was murdered and then Selena Gomez had her kidney uh, surgery, and people were like, where did she get the kidney? Was Kanika Jenkins organ trafficked? 
and yeah. Selena Gomez got her organ. Well, also because the weird thing about the hotel is that it's known for organ trafficking. Which, by the way, like, what a weird thing what to be What a weird thing for, to be yeah. known for. And I'm not, I don't think this is true. And I'm not trying to exploit Kanika or her family. It's tragic what happened to her. But it's fucked up that people think that that's, what's hap- that's what happened. Yeah. And it's also weird to me that that hotel was known for organ trafficking. Yeah. What? What is that? Most hotels are known for, like, their boozy brunch. Yeah, you know? not it's organ trafficking. But, different. you know, guess that Chicago hotel. So so that was how we connected. <laughs> <laughs> what a wonderful thing. It was over the, uh, you know, a typical thing like that. And you're known on TikTok for doing, you give out, like, life advice, dating advice, things about the city, just, like, content, things like that, kind of all over. All right, so let's tackle some Mean Girl stuff. Before we get into the blinds, I'm going to talk about some fun facts about this movie because there are fun facts about the movie. Obsessed. So it came out in 2004. Were you in high school when you watched it? Do you remember the first time? Because if you're like me, the first time I saw Mean Girls, I was like, ha ha, funny. And then I rewatched it when I was older and I was like, actual genius. Like, amazing movie. Yeah, I think, so I'm actually writing, I'm in the process of writing a movie now and my team, when we talk about it, we're You're like... writing a movie, like a script for one. A script, yeah. Okay. And when, we, when we're talking about the movie, it's coming of age. It's all a giveaway. But when we're talking about it, we're like, if we took Mean Girls and Lady Bird and they made a baby and then we put it in 2022, like, mm. that would be the movie. So I'm like, very much so in tune to the world of Mean Girls and like, the virality of that moment. I think I was like in 8th grade, probably, because I'm 23, mm-hmm. so I think I was in 8th grade. And I remember it being like a moment in like a 8th grade you want to be popular and cool way. Yeah. But I think as I came into myself as a writer specifically, I recognized like Tina Fey's genius and like Mm -hmm. the genius of like one-liners in movies and like how, you know, saying she doesn't even go here can become a line in a movie but also a cultural phenomenon and printed on sweatshirts everywhere and also make the movie that much more popular. Yeah. Because the movie was out of the gate. It was like an immediate hit. And Tina Fey has done some other movies like baby mama like wasn't that great i don't know if you watched unbreakable kimmy schmidt i thought it was okay i loved what she did in 30 rock but i still feel like mean girls is the best work um that she does yeah so the movie was actually based on a book um by rosalind wiseman and it was it came out in 2002 and it was a non-fiction self-help book and it was called queen bees and wannabes and it talked about Female high school social cliques, uh, bullying in school, and the damaging effects that they can have. Yeah, I remember. I that. love the part in the movie where they're going through all of the cliques in the lunchroom, and they're like, "Here are like the hot Asians yeah. and like the band geeks and like the overly sexual people." And it's so true. Like there are kids who are super sexual in band, and I don't know why. And there are like hot foreign exchange students who have like yeah. money, and I don't know how she was able to nail it. But there are always these groups that just like exist in high school. Yeah. It's fascinating. So Tina Fey read the book. She suggested it to Lauren Michaels. He was like, yes, it'll make a good movie. And then she also drew upon her own experience at high school for inspiration. So she actually used real names. The name Katie, um, spelled C-A-D-Y, was her college roommate's name. Damien was her high school friend. And even Glenn Coco from the movie, that was the name of her older brother's friend. No way. So that's interesting. Also, we had a lot of role swaps. Lindsay Lohan first read for the role of Regina George. I knew that. Yeah, which I think, I don't think she would have been able to do it as well. You're like really pretty. Thank you. So you agree? What? You think you're really pretty? No, I agree. I mean, she does kind of embody her later in the movie, but they suggested she read for Katie instead. And then Lindsay Lohan thought that the mean girl role would hurt her reputation. 
Um, Tina Fey actually suggested Rachel McAdams for it because Rachel McAdams is super kind and polite, and Tina Fey thought that it would help her to be a really sinister, like, evil character. Then Amanda Seyfried also read for Regina George, but the producers thought that she had a daffy and spacey sense of humor, so she would be better as Karen. And Lizzie Kaplan, who played Janice Ian, they thought was too pretty for the role, but they gave it to her anyway because she was such a good actress. Yeah. They also offered Evan Rachel Wood a role. She turned it down. Blake Lively read for Karen, but she was turned down. And Ashley Tisdale auditioned for Gretchen Wieners, and I think she would have been good for her. I actually think that would have been that would have worked. Yeah, I feel like I resonate most with Gretchen. Gretchen Wieners. For yeah. some reason, I was thinking, what what makes you identify with her? I just feel like in all the friendships that I've had with like a Regina George type, like a commandeering presence. Them. Yeah. I've been the Gretchen, like the anxious, the like, I just want you to like me. Why don't you like me enough? I think that in the musical, because I'm a theater person, Mm -hmm. in the musical, they do a really good job of, Gretchen has a song called What's Wrong With Me in the musical. They like make her more in depth. Where she asks, like, what's wrong with me? Like, why doesn't she like me? Like, why Mm -hmm. am I always wrong to her? I think it's like the scene where Regina is like trying to make make over Katie and she keeps like dismissing Gretchen, like, Gretchen, stop and whatever. And Gretchen sings a ballad being like, literally, what's wrong with me? Like, is it my hair? Is my outfit? Like, why can't I get her approval? And I think yeah. I've, I've struggled with that my whole life, like, trying to get people's approval. Now, not so much, but, like, in high school and college, like, get people's approval that I couldn't, like, fully attain. Oh, dude, in high school, I don't think you could pay me all the money in the world to redo middle school or high school. No. It's And... Especially for girls, too. Like, men will, I'm sorry, like, men will never understand what it's like to be walking into the lunchroom. You're not sure if you're going to get kicked out of the lunch table. No. You're desperate for hand-me-downs that have, like, some sort of Abercrombie logo on it so you fit the fuck in. It's just, like, every day was, like, really hard in middle school and high school. Yeah. Totally. That's the thing. It's also, like, pathetic because it wasn't hard. It was just, like, emotionally damaging hard, which is still hard, but also you're like, oh, how hard is it? Like, I need to fit in. It's really not hard on the grand scale, but the movie just nailed it. So it's a hit out of the gate. It grossed $130 million and it won multiple awards. Okay, some fun facts about it. Um, Tina Fey wanted to play a math teacher so she could counteract the stereotype that girls can't do math. And she did admit, though, that she didn't even understand the lines that she was reciting. And her friend's boyfriend was a calculus teacher in the Bronx, so she took his lesson plans to, like, learn about math so she could understand what she was saying. Do you remember Kevin Napor? Yeah. The mathlete who also Kevin raps? Jimmy. So his rap was written by Amy Poehler. And Amy Poehler, who also played the hot mom in Mean Girls, she coached him on how to do the rap, and she gave him the moves and the choreography I love that. to do it. Which, like, when you read listen to it it seems like a complete snl thing so i feel like that makes sense speaking of kevin napore he's a professional calligrapher he's also a potter painter and a writer and he wrote like a memoir he's like a renaissance man the uh principal tim meadows his hand was actually broken during filming which is why he wears a cast in the movie love that Amy Poehler, who played the cool mom, the hot mom, she was only seven years older than her fictional daughter, Rachel McAdams, when the movie happened. I'm dead. <laughs> Which is funny because they they really did something to her makeup. When I watched that as a kid, I was like, that's an old mom. I was like, that's yeah. definitely a mom. And Regina's definitely a high schooler, even yeah. though she certainly wasn't. Okay, and then the last fun fact, 
I think Tina Fey's mom might be kind of a bitch because she said, my mom has this habit that if she sees a lady in a really ugly hat or glittery sweatshirt, she'll go, I love your shirt. And I'll say, mom, that's really mean. And she'll say, clearly she wanted someone to notice that shirt. She picked it out. Oh my god. That is so bitchy. I would just think, you know, better not to say anything than say something rude, but whatever. Okay, so let's take it person by person. We're gonna start with Tina Fey, of course. What's your general take on Tina Fey? What do you like about her or dislike? I love Tina Fey. Yeah. I think like as a woman in comedy myself, as a woman who wants to pursue comedy and comedy writing, I really look up to her. And also like as a person who's like using the script as a mentor for, like, the script I'm writing. Like, I definitely see her as a mentor. I think, you know, we can say a lot of the things she has written have aged really poorly. Yeah. Well, I think, I think honestly, you'd say that of anyone in comedy. Yeah. yeah. I think you can say that of anyone in comedy. And I don't really know what to fault for that. And I think she does it a lot. And mm. it's pointed out a lot. And, like, I take all of that at, at, about you. Are you talking about, like, the 30 Rock uh, episodes that had to be retired or something Yeah, else? there's, like, the 30 Rock episodes. Even the musical had to be changed so much because oh. so much of Mean Girls ended up being so sort of... So many lines in Mean Girls ended up being microaggressions to a point where, like, it was, like we can't... That, yeah. yeah. And, and there was others to the point where we couldn't, like... I don't exactly remember the exact example, but to the point where, like, she couldn't put them in the musical because the musical mm. came out in 2019, so it was fairly recent. So I, I do want to acknowledge that, but I do see her as, like, a comedy genius. And, like, for women, especially a wonderful person to look up to in comedy. I love her. Yeah, and I don't know if you read her memoir, but... um I did. Yeah, it was really good stuff. And interestingly enough, in her memoir, she talked about being slashed as a child. So she was, like, playing in her front yard, and somebody literally just came up with a knife and, like, slashed her face. And she has a scar on it. And she mentions it all throughout the memoir. You can tell that it's something that really affected her. Yeah. But I've watched 30 Rock probably, like, six times over every single episode. I've never noticed her I've never noticed it either. And I guess, you know, makeup, and she probably adjusts and things like that. But I just found that really interesting. Yeah. So... I agree with you. I think Tina Fey is the best. I trained at Second City for a semester in college, and She's Second wonderful. City, that's where like her and yeah. Amy Poehler met and became friends. So I was really ready to see some nice blind items about her, and they really weren't, which shocked me, because I thought okay, Tina Fey yeah. was just someone that like obviously would have a great well, reputation. Yeah. So we just had a lot of blinds about her kind of having a little bit of a big ego. So oh, shit. Um, There was something in New York called National Mean Girls Day, and Tina Fey renamed um, New York's West 52nd Street into West Fetch Street, and there was, like, a whole event around it and things like that, and there was a blind item saying that um, A-list actress slash writer, while enjoying a very, very expensive free perks complete with a private jet flight from multiple... Our writer-actress for multiple hit network shows complained about everything, including the size of the private jet and how few security was assigned for her free trip. And then we also have other blinds about her um, going to a home decor store that's near her and somebody saying that she would yell at the people who work there and the employees and remind everyone all the time that she is a star and they were just working for her, which seems like very diva behavior to come from Tina Fey, allegedly. That does seem like diva behavior, and it's like... I don't want to be like celebrities. It doesn't surprise me when they're like that. Um, but it does surprise me with her because, you know. Yeah, because I think of her as a writer first and like an actress second. Yeah, and I yeah. also wonder if it's that those things are because she's been in the industry so long that like yes. she's desensitized to it all. Totally. And like I, I saw someone talking about this today on TikTok. Like 
when Kim Kardashian says, get your fucking ass up and work, she doesn't even know who she's talking to. Like, she's never even talked to, like, poor people. Like, she's yeah. never even... And that's not excusing or her. Or even middle class Because people. what she did was shitty, and what she said was horrible. It's not excusing her, but it's saying, like, the woman doesn't even talk to middle class people. Yeah. And it makes me wonder, does Tina Fey? Probably not. Probably not, right? And it doesn't excuse that behavior at all. Yeah. But it's like... Hindsight is twenty twenty. Like, does she even talk to people like that? Like, yeah. is her behavior like, yeah, we must take it with a grain of salt? Because mm. I think once you start making a lot of money, you really lose touch with just yeah. like the the everyman. We had another blind about. Have you ever seen Tina Fey's husband? No. He is this. I'll say short king. Love. <laughs> Emphasis on the super shortness. Um, and I think he's like a conductor or a composer or whatever. And we had a blind saying that she was allegedly cheating on him. <gasps> So then I was like, oh my god. How tall is our short king? Hold on, let me look it up. His name's Jeff Richmond. Like, is he like 5'4 or is he like 5'7? Because that's different to me. He's 5'2. Oh, my wood. That's my height. And Tina Fey is 5'5. But he just looks shorter in photos. And that's probably because she's wearing heels and things like that. But anyway. So she was cheating on him. Allegedly she is cheating on him. And then we just had one blind about how allegedly Tina Fey and Amy Poehler hate Adam Sandler, but I feel like that's nothing that juicy. I feel like a lot of people don't like Adam Sandler. Yeah. So I was kind of surprised by that. I thought that there were going to be nicer blinds about, like, her wit and intrigue and talent. Yeah. But she does come up into a lot of blinds with Lindsay Lohan. So we'll do her next. What are your thoughts on Lindsay Lohan? Honestly, I don't know that much about Lindsay. Like, I know that she had her rehab stint. I know that she's Mm -hmm. been through highs and lows. I also think, like... I think we have to be really, really easy on child actors. Like, yeah, I can't even imagine like what that would be like. She so she was a super child actor. Yeah. I didn't know how early it went back. I was looking some stuff up on her. She began her career as a child model at the age of three, yeah, which no, is like it's so early, insane. So I think there's no way for her to be normal. No, I feel like yeah, I feel like children who start working at age three, like you don't have a chance in life. No, for the yeah, most you're part. screwed. So she modeled for Calvin Klein Kids and Abercrombie. And interestingly enough, she was in a Jell-O commercial with Bill Cosby. And anyway, so then she did a little bit of acting on stage. Obviously, we know her parent chap, Freaky Friday. What was that movie like? It was a race car, like Good Luck Herbie. Herbie, Herbie fully loaded. For Herbie fully loaded. Things like that. Then I feel like things kind of started to go south for her. You started to see her partying with Britney Spears, Paris Hilton, you know, Going commando, just like you. <laughs> Love her. <laughs> and she dated DJ Sam Ronson in 2008 and 2009. And at least for me growing up, that was one of the first openly queer relationships I had ever seen, I think, was Samantha dating the DJ. Or sorry, Lindsay Lohan dating the DJ. I don't remember it. I think it was a little bit too yeah. old for me. Yeah, I think it was back in the, It was very, very early. Like, I was just getting into pop culture. So... Lindsay Lohan is infamously known in the blinds. If anyone hasn't listened to the Lindsay Lohan episode on Beyond the Blinds, it is a wild ride. You have to check it out. But she's just known as the yacht girl who basically said, I'm not getting any roles, you know, allegedly. Um, It's really hard to get work. I am going to basically have like a residency in Dubai and like be yachting out of there. So I think for the last couple of years, everyone's just seen... Lindsay Lohan, like, kind of dating billionaires, millionaires, but then not, but being linked with them. And then she's dancing in Mykonos, or she looks like she's on drugs, on a boat somewhere, and nobody's really known what's happening with her, and she's kind of making a resurgence now. So we have a bunch of blinds about her 
like harassing Tina Fey to put her in something. So when Mean Girls, the stage musical, um, that was apparently had plans to be adopted into a movie for Tina Fey to make. They were going to do like movie to musical, then back to movie. And Lindsay Lohan was hounding and showing up at Tina Fey's house unannounced, asking for a role in a new reboot of the movie. And then she also called her so many times that Tina Fey had to change her phone number because she kept saying that she wanted a role. So my thing is, like, listen, like, Lindsay Lohan made Mean Girls, right? Like, Yeah, it wouldn't be the same. Like, it wouldn't be the same. And I'm not saying that nobody else could have done it, but, like, I get it a little bit. Do I think harassment is okay? Never. Do I think she should have been that persistent? No. But do I also think, like, I don't know, like, does she deserve a little landscape there? Like, she made it. Like, it, it... it's iconic and historical because of Katie Heron. Katie Heron. Katie. Yeah. The weird thing about hanging out with Regina was that I could hate her, and at the same time, I still wanted her to like me. Okay. You have really good eyebrows. Thanks. Move. Same with Gretchen. The meaner Regina was to her, the more Gretchen tried to win Regina back. She knew it was better to be in the plastics, hating life, than to not be in at all. Katie. It's, you know, it, it's iconic and historical because of that cast. So I understand her feeling like, I don't like that it's growing without me. But do I think it's okay? Also, no. So it's hard. Yeah. I think it's one of those things. Did you watch the And Just Like That reboot of Sex and the City? Like, it really wasn't the same without Samantha. Like, once something gets big, it is because of the ensemble cast. It's because of that cast. And, like, am I saying that Lindsay needs to be part of it? Absolutely not. But am I saying I understand her feeling really rejected as to not be part of it? Yeah, I do get it. Because it's like... That was her thing. That was her claim to fame. I would say, like, the only reason Tina Fey would probably be curving her, because, like we said, if Lindsay Lohan got on board, it would be, like, a huge slam piece success. It would make Tina Fey money. It would make yeah. everyone happy. There must be something going on with Lindsay Between Lohan. Between the two of them, yeah. Yeah, that would just make it such, like, a... Totally. And I'm not saying that Tina Fey did anything wrong by changing her number. Being other like, than cheating on her husband. <laughs> yeah, other than that. Um, but I'm not saying in this situation that Tina Fey did anything wrong by being like, no, Lindsay, because Lindsay's yeah. not entitled to anything. I just yeah. understand where she's coming from feeling sad about it oh totally if someone was like oh we're gonna do fluently forward but without you i'd be like i'm sorry what, You're the like, fuck? what are you talking about what the <laughs> hell yeah um so then we just have more blinds about her yachting this was interesting apparently um she was trying to get a married man to marry her Lindsay lohan was but his wife wouldn't divorce him but get this at a recent life event the daughter of that man was hanging out with our former a minus lister which is like you know that tiktok sound where it's like crazy and someone yeah. talks about the crazy things they do imagine a man won't marry you so you become friends with his daughter that would like terrify the shit out of him yeah i feel like that's kind of a good crazy move it's kind of a good crazy move i agree we had blinds about her allegedly calling harvey weinstein and saying that she would be great in any project he finds <gasps> And uh, these two blinds kind of go together. You know Lou Taylor, the business manager of Britney Spears, who kind of had the idea for the conservatorship? Well, apparently she was promising Lindsay Lohan's mother, Dina Lohan, $100,000 a month if she placed Lindsay Lohan in a conservatorship. And the mom agreed, but the dad didn't because there wasn't anything in it for him, so it didn't happen. And we have another blind saying that, like, when Lindsay Lohan was out partying, people were paid to take videos and photos of her drinking, hammered, engaging in illegal activities because allegedly they were trying to build a roster to put her in a conservatorship. That's crazy. And it doesn't surprise me, unfortunately. Not at all. I feel like um, 
I feel like if you're nefarious in Hollywood, putting someone in a conservatorship, it's like a good way to make some money. Yeah. Yeah, it's like fucked up. It's trafficking. It's horrible. But it's a good way to make money yeah. off of someone. So Jonathan Bennett, he played Aaron Samuels with his sexy hair pushed back. Did you know that he's gay? I think I did know that. Yeah, I remember like BuzzFeed really took that yeah. and ran with it back in the day. Um, he married his partner, James Vaughn, and they became the first couple to cover the magazine The Knot. And weirdly enough, even though he no- hasn't been in much since Mean Girls, we have one blind item about him from page six. And it was saying, which young heartthrob might be facing a lawsuit from the parents of two teenage boys? At the recent premiere of his party, the actor invited the pubescent pair back to his hotel room for an after party, which turned out to be just the three of them, then supplied the youngsters with liquor and tried to get them into bed. The boys promptly told their folks, who are said to be mulling over legal action. Doesn't really surprise me. I know. Sounds like Law and Order SVU kind of. Yeah. Just like creepy, like someone with too much power to advantage people. I don't like that. Lacey Chabert, she plays Gretchen Wieners. That is so fetch. Gretchen, stop trying to make fetch happen. It's not going to happen. Did you know anything about her other than Mean Girls? No. So she's like a huge Hallmark girl. She actually has an exclusive deal with the Hallmark channel. So she's always in like Christmas movies and things like that. She's also a voice actress for people that you might not know about. Do you ever watch The Wild Thornberries? Yes. She voices Eliza Thornberry. Oh my God. Yeah. And she also played the voice of Meg Griffin in the first season of Family Guy. Okay. And in 1992 and 1993, she played Cosette in Les Mis. I knew that. On Broadway. Um, I feel like the dream of a lifetime is being a voice actor or actress. When I was growing up, I was in a lot of rooms for really? voice acting. I I have a raspy voice now, but when I was a little kid, it was really raspy for like a little girl. Like a Miley Cyrus type of yep. voice. And I was in so many rooms for voice actors. I was signed to the same manager as the Jonas Brothers and the no, girl who they, voiced Dora. The the, wait, they're also from Jersey, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. And that was my childhood. I never, I booked, I almost booked some stuff, but things fell through and then the economy crashed in 2008 and I pulled out because yeah. it was such a mess. But I, I was there doing that kind of stuff, so I'm very familiar. I just, let me know if this is true. I feel like it's the perfect job because you go, you literally can have your hair in a bun yeah. and then you just speak. I remember so many times just going to Nickelodeon Studios and talking to mics with their exact. Did you ever get slimed? <laughs> no, don't worry. I never got slimed. <laughs> well, I guess you kind of voice act now because that's like, that is yeah, a podcast basically. So we only had one blind about her, and it was a kindness blind, um, saying that she does a lot of Christmas movies, blah, blah, blah. While visiting a relative in a hospital, she was recognized by another patient for her role in this cult classic high school movie. She spent the better part of half an hour chatting with the patient, which is nice. That sounds really nice. I kind of I vibe with her. Maybe it's just because she's my favorite, but... I like her, too. I saw somebody... Did you watch the um, Inventing Anna? Yeah. Some A lot of people were saying that she should have played Rachel, and I, I think she would have been yeah, she a been much... Great. Yeah, she would have been great, yeah. She already played the character of, like, you're popular, I want to be like you, yeah. but I'm insecure about myself. I would have thought it was great. Totally. Okay, Amanda Seyfried, what do you know about her? Mama Mia, yes. dear, what is it, dear John? Letters to Juliet. Yeah, the one with Channing Tatum. Yeah, right? she. I don't know. I always felt like a weird, like, um, sexual awakening with that scene in Mama Mia of her wearing the bathing suit, and mm. like, I always thought she was so hot. Like, I think that's what I think about her, and talented. Like, she's very multifaceted. Hot and talented. Yeah. You're not stupid, Karen. No, I am actually. I'm failing almost everything. 
Well, there must be something you're good at. I can put my whole fist in my mouth. Wanna see? No. That's okay. She's also been in some, like, creepy sexual thrillers. Yeah, I think that she's over-sexualized as well. Well, like, when I was a curious kid back in the day being like, do I like girls? I remember watching clips of her and like the thrillers and stuff like that. Yeah. And in Mean Girls, I didn't really find her that attractive. And then I watched some of these clips and I was like, holy fuck, she's like really attractive. Yeah, I think Mama Mia does that for me in a way that Mean Girls doesn't. And I think it's sad because yeah. it might just like dumb her down to the point where like maybe I find smart, independent, confident women attractive. But when <laughs> they make them like a caricature because like nobody is like Karen Karen no. a Karen doesn't exist in the world yeah. right like I think we can all agree that that is so over sensationalized but in the best way it works for yeah. the movie but all of the movie Mean Girls is like archetypes and like tropes yeah. right yeah and nobody because there's like, no real Regina Georges like no. you have your most popular girl in school she's not Regina George though yeah. like people aren't fainting when the most popular girl in the school walks down the halls yes yeah and it's one of those things, too, where, like, you have um, shows with four main girls, like Big Little Lies, Pretty Little Liars, Sex in the City. You can identify with one of the four girls. No one would say, I'm a Karen. No, Like, yeah. nobody would identify no. with that. So she also um, got working when she was pretty young. She modeled. Weirdly enough, she did um, a modeling campaign with Limited 2 with Leighton Meester. I always find that funny when people, like, find their way yeah. together before they got big. Then she stopped modeling when she was 17. She worked as a waitress. She has been very open about her mental health. She suffers from anxiety and OCD and panic attacks. And she has said openly that she's on Lexapro and she'll, quote, never get off of it. She says, I've been on it since I was 19, so 11 years. I'm on the lowest dose and I don't see the point of getting off of it. And she has these great quotes just saying, like, yeah, like, it's the stigma of taking a pill, but, like, that. who cares? It makes me feel better. Yeah. And, like, everything in my life runs smooth with it. I really don't care. I'd rather be on it. The way she spoke about it, it honestly made me want to go on Lexapro. I was yeah. like, I'm going to talk to someone about that. That sounds really nice to just move through life without having, like, compulsive thoughts and fears and things. Yeah. So now we're going to get to her blinds, and that's where the nice stuff about her stops. I thought that she was going to be a little sweetheart, probably because I have the Mamma Mia idea of her in my yeah. head. So she was in Lovelace, and um, apparently she hooked up with a co-star in that while she was dating someone. She apparently has been cheating on people consistently. Apparently she dated Ryan Philippi, who is Reese Witherspoon's ex, and they would both do a bunch of drugs together, things like that, allegedly. This blind says that when she was dating him, quote, they were dating a few weeks when she saw him in a mall parking lot getting orally serviced in his car by a woman he once told the actress was a nanny for his kids. So apparently she both cheats on people, and also has been cheated on, allegedly. This was an interesting one. She was also getting cheated on by Desmond Harrington, and apparently he was a little bit obsessed with her, and it says that she found her boyfriend staring at her when she woke up from sleeping, and it was enough to convince her to dump her boyfriend, and she changed the locks on her door, but it took three different times to break up with him. She dated Justin Long. Do you remember Justin yeah. Long? He's in, like... Oh my god, what's that cult movie? He's just not that into you. Yeah. And apparently she got a new role, so she had some trouble with eating and things like that, and he broke up with her. 
because they went out to dinner and she only ordered a side salad with no dressing and the two started fighting and she walked out and eventually that was kind of the cause, allegedly to the blinds, why they broke up. He thought that she was exhibiting like diva behavior, but she was really just struggling with eating, trying to get ready for a new That's role. Really sad. I feel like once again, another thing men will never understand. I struggle with my image and body just like being a person living in New York where the women are hot, if I was in front of a camera and people were casting me for roles based on my size, I think that I, I don't think I'd be able to handle it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. We had some blinds. She spoke up about um, gender inequity being paid. So she was in a big budget film, Epic, with Josh Hutcherson. It had a $100 million budget. And she spoke up on the Sunday Times saying, a few years ago on one of my big budget films, I found I was being paid 10% of what my male co-star was getting, and we were pretty even in status. I think that people think because I'm easygoing and game to do things, I'll just take as little as they offer. But it's not about how much you get, it's about how fair it is. I would say that she's much bigger than Josh Hutcherson. So much bigger. Hunger Games aside, I really just don't understand that I don't know who one. he is anyways. <laughs> We have more blinds about uh, her having an affair on a set with a married actor. This time it's with Peter Skarsgård when he was married to Maggie Gyllenhaal. There's just so many different cheating blinds on here. And I think that's it for Amanda Seyfried. So, you know, speaks up for herself, but also cheats on people. Yeah. So little column A, column B. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you know what I use therapy for? Well, it's a bunch of things. I kind of use therapy to combat being a TikTok user, um, not a creator, a user. I love the app, but I do think it's kind of crazy for our brains that in the time span of a minute, you can see five different videos that make you feel five different emotions like happy, sad, angry, anxious envious of someone's morning routine. So I love using therapy as kind of a way to actually reverse this and think about my emotions and actually process them instead of just feeling them in the background as I swipe. So BetterHelp is online therapy. They offer video, phone, live chat sessions with a therapist. If you don't want to see anyone on camera, you don't have to. It's more affordable than in-person therapy and you're matched with a therapist quickly in under 48 hours. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and Fluently Forward listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash fluently. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash fluently. Okay, Rachel McAdams, any thoughts on her? I always liked her because she reminds me of my best friend. Mm. I know you have red hair. My best friend has red hair. But my okay. best friend has blonder red hair than you. Like okay. I dyed this. Mine like Rachel McAdams in the notebook, strawberry blonde. Yes, yes, yes. I always told my best friend. And my best friend's name is Allie. Oh. And she, it just reminds me of Allie in the notebook. Yeah. So I always liked her. But I have a special bias because, yeah. you know, my best friend for my whole life is named Allie and has strawberry blonde hair. So you... Uh, when I think Rachel McAdams, I think The Notebook. That's the most iconic. And so I think of her as Allie, the strawberry blonde. And so it just, yeah. I always loved her. It is funny. Every, I think everyone thinks of her like that. When she puts on that wig as Regina George, she really, to me, is like a different person. She is Regina George. I yeah. think that's a testament to her acting. I think it's very similar to Zendaya and Euphoria. Like, you don't think of Zendaya as Zendaya when she's playing. Oh, my God. Not at all. No. I don't think of Shake It Up at all when she's, like, shaking from drug withdrawals and no, stuff like that. No, she's so wonderful mm. of an actor that you don't think of her as her character, or as herself. You think of her yeah. as her character. And it's similar to me with Rachel. And I think there's some people, like, Blake Lively, 
every time I see her, I think she's Blake Lively. You know what I mean? Yeah. I never really see her embody someone. Rachel McAdams is great at that. So growing up, weirdly enough, she was a figure skater. She started doing that when she was four years old, and she actually almost did it um, professionally, but then she stopped at the age of 18, which I would have had no idea about that. Um, of course, she got big. The Notebook, Mean Girls. She was in a bunch of movies, rom-coms. I loved her in Midnight in Paris, too. Yeah. She actually took a little bit of a career hiatus, which I think was a great idea. I feel like you see this with celebrities and creators. People blow up, and then everyone just gets sick of them because yeah. they get overexposed. So she took a step back. She was being hailed as the next Julia Roberts, as the Hollywood It Girl. And she just like declined everything for a year and just like took some time off saying that there were a lot of cooks in the kitchen, a lot of voices around me, and I wanted to step away so I could hear my own voice again. Truthfully, I never really wanted to be a big movie star. And I thought that was really interesting. She also does a lot of nonprofit work, environmental work, work to help with immigration, things like that. So she just seems like a honestly top-notch person. Yeah. And her blind items are just as good there's nothing really that bad about it there was an interesting blind zoe deschanel allegedly adopted two dogs and then she wanted to ditch the dogs and rachel mcadams took the dogs from her so that way they would have a home to go to that's very sweet we had another blind item saying that wilmer vaderama is that you pronounce it wilder when he was dating Lindsay lohan at an event um he hit on Rachel McAdams and she turned him down and he thought that he could get away with hitting on her because she was doing a lot of coke and boozing, but he got rejected. We have a blind saying that Jake Gyllenhaal allegedly wanted Rachel McAdams to enter a bearding contract with him, but she said that she wasn't interested because she wanted to actually find like a true boyfriend. So she didn't want a beard. Then we had a, another blind item saying that she, did hook up with Ryan Gosling after they dated when people thought that they were completely over. I think for a while there, everyone thought that they were going to wind up together. Yeah. Because I think the movie was such chemistry, and allegedly they hated each other when they first started filming, but a producer or a director locked them in a room and said that they just had to work it out, so they did. Yeah. And that award show where they run up on stage and reenact the kiss was like, it's just like you can't fake that chemistry. you can't. It's very, very magnetic. Um, Ben Affleck has also hit on her, putting his arm around her at an event and making it perfectly clear that they should go have sex. This was two minutes after he got off the phone with his B-list all-movie actress and told her that he loved her. She said that she literally threw up. (laughs) Ben Affleck is disgusting. Yeah, agreed. Do you know who Michael Sheen is? Yeah. Okay, he pops up in Blinds with Rachel McAdams and Lizzie Kaplan, who we'll go over after, he dated Rachel McAdams for a bit. He has dated so many women in Hollywood, and not to be crass, but, like, he doesn't look much like a superhero, if you catch my yeah. drift. So, allegedly, this blind says, there was no screaming or yelling because that just isn't allowed. But this foreign-born, she's Canadian, B-plus list movie actress who everyone loves did confront her B-plus list movie actor X and his current celebrity girlfriend, Sarah Silverman, and said out loud to both of them that he cheats all the time. She also called him some names and then walked away. Okay, and then also apparently Vince Vaughn has also tried to shoot his shot with Rachel McAdams, and she turned him down, but he has the habit of emailing her photos of him in bed with other women or solo naked shots of himself to show her what she could have had. Everyone wants a piece of Rachel McAdams. 
All right, and then our last girl here is Lizzie Kaplan, who played Janice Ian's or Janice Ian's Dyke, as I would probably refer to her as. Do you know anything about Lizzie Kaplan? No, I don't. I mean, so good in Mean yeah, Girls. Yeah, she was great in Mean Girls. She my also, favorite. She had the. Uh, do you watch New Girl at all? Yeah. She had that scene where she was like the mean lawyer in New Girl. Oh, that Nick I remember dated, that. Yeah. The lawyer who like didn't like cupcakes, and then she was also in Masters of Sex, but I haven't really seen Not Masters either. of Sex. So. Can you believe it? She also dated Michael Sheen for a bit. Okay, so she was her, it says uh, she was over her talking about one of her co-stars who she used to date. She says the hardest acting she ever had to do is pretending that she even likes the guy after he cheated on her multiple times in the brief time that they dated. And even though he has a girlfriend now, Sarah Silverman, he says that he would love to get back together with the actress. I didn't know anything about Michael Sheen before looking this up. But he is, like, cheating. So far, we found him cheating on three different women in Hollywood. So, I don't know what's going on with Michael Sheen. Um, we also had another blind here saying that when she was on Masters of Sex, she got her co-stars to join her in a demand to raise their salaries for the pay cable show. And Love instead that. of a raise, the show got canceled. Horrible. So everyone lost their jobs. And then she also dated Matthew Perry. Everyone will know him from Friends. And it says the former A-list actor who has always been on television had some serious butt kissing to do as he hit the bottle really hard. But this time, instead of passing out, he got violent with his much younger girlfriend. She is sticking with him, but got him to start paying her every month because she quit her job to be with him full time. Wow. I feel like every time I read a blind item, I'm just like more and more reminded of how it's still so easy for men to be in Hollywood. They can, like, cheat with for whoever. men to manipulate women. Yeah, or they'll be, like, 50 and dating some, like, hot new 20-something on the scene and also cheating on her and then also, like, able to get a bunch of roles from, like, their guys who have yeah. connections. And it just feels it's like a man's the same. world, unfortunately, yeah. out there. A hundred percent. Because, like, he can get roles and get away with, like, literally abusing his girlfriend because... Yeah. Meanwhile, Lindsay Lohan is allegedly calling Harvey Weinstein hoping for an open role. That's so disgusting allegedly <laughs> so final thoughts on mean girls i think that another movie like it until yours gets made i don't think it's gonna exist i just feel like no. a lot of people have tried to recreate mean girls and there's something about tina fey's magic of writing and then also the four actresses working together that just made it like so uniquely special yeah i think they did a really good job and i also think like speaking to the blinds like there's no way that those weren't going to be true in my life. My my eyes, like, yeah. drama comes from these kinds of things. Like, that's yeah. why they call it drama, you know? And I'm not saying it's okay. Like, a lot of that stuff is fucked up in its own yeah. right. But I think you have to expect, you know, in a Hollywood thing, in a blockbuster that big, there's going to be drama. Totally. And I think, I always think, you know, who do I walk away having a bunch of respect for and not a bunch of respect for, um... I think Rachel McAdams came out great in this. Yeah. And also Lacey Chambert. Chabert. Oh, my God. Sorry, guys. I just mispronounced things. Anyway, Gretchen Wieners. Yeah. It sounds like she's like, yeah. It sounds okay. she's lovely. I did a great job in Mean Girls. I'm going to do some voice acting. I'm just going to stick to the Hallmark channel, get my checks, stay out of the way. Amazing. Like, fantastic. That's yeah, how I, I would do it. that's so hard. Yeah. All right. Let people know where they can find you, and when can we expect this movie to be coming out? Oh my god, the movie's going to be forever from now. I'm working on a book, and once that's all set and done, we're going to work on the movie. And again, like... Is the book like a memoir, a fiction book? It's personal essays, dating, oh. relationship style advice. Um, but you guys can find me on TikTok at the jar with two R's. Instagram, Eli, E-L-I dot Rallo, R-A-L-L-O. And my podcast is called Miss Congeniality. 
And yeah, I'll have to have you on my podcast soon. Love it. Yeah. All right. Thank you for coming on. And uh, we will catch you guys next week. Thanks everyone for listening. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much to Eli for coming on. I hope you enjoyed that. We're going to go over a little bit of like trending celebrity topic news um, and then we'll get into some more stuff. So it was kind of a dry week for celebrity news. I was like, what the fuck? I tried to record this on Thursday. There was like nothing. I waited a day. We've got some more stuff coming out. The first thing, this happened last night. Um, Doja Cat and her fans have been getting into some like Twitter back and forth. I'll give you the timeline of what happened. Basically, Doja Cat performed in Brazil. Then she went over to Paraguay. She was going to perform. There was a huge storm. She, you know, the concert was canceled. She went to the airport and then she tweeted something like, you know, had fun in Brazil. There we go. That's what happened. Now, I think in this story, both people have kind of made, you know, not not like bad choices, but just like, you know, probably not the best because now we're reading articles about it. So... The first thing that the fans did that were fucked up, they were like, (laughs) they were like, why would you say that about Brazil when like you were just in Paraguay and like the storm happened and you haven't tweeted out anyone to be like, you know, hope you're safe from the storm. You haven't said anything about us, which just take it from there already. I'm like, I don't, I feel like it's kind of ridiculous to hold celebrities to the standard of like what you tweet is like good or bad and like makes a difference or doesn't. I don't know about you. To me. Isn't it just a tweet? Are we taking things a little bit too seriously? So anyway, Doja Cat, I think we all know she's she's been performing. She's been out there doing concerts. Like I see her on TikTok all the time um, just with different concerts and performances and new music videos. I feel like at least if I were her, I would be incredibly burnt out. So I feel like that was a symptom of this. She responds back to the fans basically being like, I don't care. Like I'm over it. Like I'm tired. Then they're like, you're public enemy number one. That's insane. And then she finally is like, you know what? I quit. Like, I don't even care. She changes her name on Twitter to I quit. She's like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I thought I was meant for this. Like, I thought I could do music. Like, I am really just tired and I am over it. So two things there. One, I completely emphasize with that. I feel like even just, I cannot even imagine what it's like to be Doja Cat, even as a creator, ew, (laughs) ew, whatever. Even as a podcaster, there's some times where I am not in a good headspace and then I look up a podcast review and someone's like you have too much saliva in your mouth and I'm like what the fuck do you want me to do about it I what I can't what am I supposed to do just kill myself because like I don't know how else to get saliva out of my mouth it's in my mouth what am I supposed to do it's in my mouth how do I take it out like you tell me one star for all of that anyway um So that's how I feel. And I feel like uh, if it was Twitter, I'd probably respond to the reviews and say something like that. Maybe uh, Doja Cat is a Leo moon because we're very dramatic. So I'm going to look that up. Anyway, um, so then it turned into this back and forth, whatever. A few of the tweets, at least as of Friday morning, are still up if you go to look for them. Now, I made a TikTok video about Doja Cat a couple weeks ago, I think, because um, Doja Cat has kind of gotten, you know, in the headlines a little bit with things related to the internet. I remember back in the day, she was on, what was it, like 4chan or different internet forums, and like that was kind of her first scandal. Um, And then Lori Hill's a YouTuber who put out a video about alleged plastic surgery she thought Doja Cat had gotten done. That's like her entire channel celebrity plastic surgery that she is speculating on. Doja Cat made a response against it. Um, That was kind of big on the internet. I made a Twitter video, sorry, TikTok video about it that I ended up taking down because I spoke to some people 
offline and I got criticism online. I feel like I, um, I feel like I fucked up with the video basically. And I think I was unaware or just putting my foot in my mouth with microaggressions and kind of feeding into the stereotype of like angry black woman where I didn't want it to come across that way. So I took the video down. I apologized for it. And now I've just been kind of trying to learn more about that because when I speak about celebrities, I don't want it to be shitty in a way that it doesn't have to if I can say it correctly. Anyway, so something that I've been noticing with this Doja Cat situation, I'm reading articles on it this morning and the headlines are all rant, rant, furious rant. And I'm like, mm, mm, okay, meow. <laughs> you have to laugh at the meow, but okay. Meow, Doja Cat slams fans in Paraguay in furious Twitter rant after being ripped for not posting about them. Furious Twitter rant. And every headline is, it's a rant, it's furious, it's angry, things like that. And I was like, interesting because yeah I guess she was a little bit angry her fans were also a little bit angry and I feel like the main message in her tweets was just exhaustion like I can't win you know what I mean Madison Beer by the way has posted tweets about video a video that I made about her kind of a year ago and um you know like no one ever calls it a rant it's just like oh my god her feelings are hurt her feelings are hurt and she's tweeting about them so then I started doing a little bit of digging and I was like let's see how other people you know, refer to celebrities tweeting. Here's one. Jimmy Kimmel drags Ted Cruz. Taylor Swift slams artist. You know, it's always slamming, dragging, voices her opinions, or gets into an argument. But when it comes to Doja Cat, it's always like a furious rant, 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 rant. And I was like, okay, well, that's fucked up. And I was especially doing it for Taylor Swift's tweets because I don't know. I feel like she kind of rants about people a lot of the time too, but nobody ever fucking calls it a rant. Um, Remember when she tweeted about that guy who was like, oh, I don't think that she writes her own songs. She didn't have to make this huge stink. It's like Taylor Swift will disappear from social media for so long and then she'll come back to address the smallest criticism on her and blow up that molehill into a mountain and then just like leave for a little bit again. Um, and it's funny because I feel like Taylor Swift had that stigma or reputation at the beginning of her career of playing the victim. And then everybody was like, actually, wait, wait, wait. Like, we're being mean to women. Like, she's not playing the victim. She is the victim. I don't know. It's been a couple of years, and I feel like she still plays the victim. You know what I mean? Like, tweeting about the Ginny and Georgia show. I just feel like they're, Taylor Swift, there's no criticism about her that she will accept, which I think is a little bit fucked up. Um, and anyway, I just think all of these headlines about Doja Cat are fucked up, too. I think as a celebrity, you, you probably have to, and I feel like Doja Cat rose to fame so quickly you kind of have to not be on the internet and like just not respond to people because I mean that's just what celebrities tend to do right I feel like that's the headspace you get into but it is weird when we see celebrities do it because boom articles articles um, and I also feel like I don't know now those fans probably feel like they have power over her which is also fucked up like I don't know you're not allowed to tell Doja Cat what she should and shouldn't tweet I think that that's weird okay another situation that was in the news is that Rachel Zegler she is the star of the West Side Story movie and there was this huge thing going on where basically she was not invited to the Oscars even though that movie is up for a nomination which real quick can we talk about the Oscars does anyone watch? Does anyone give a shit? I'm sorry, other than Rachel. I really don't. I don't know anyone who does. I would maybe, if I had cable, <laughs> I would watch the before part where you can see dresses. But really, I just wait until the next day and then I go on Twitter or 
BuzzFeed and, you know, I look at the dresses and that's it. If Ricky Gervais is like making fun of the celebrities, I will watch it for that. Um, but I, who cares? I feel like everyone is over it. And I feel like it kind of coincides with the rise of blind items. Do you know what I mean? Like everyone is just so sick of Leonardo DiCaprio making a movie about the environment to like shame us into like not using plastic straws, then getting up, accepting an award and then flying off in his private jet. And everyone is really sick of them making Pam and Tommy, you know, an exploitative TV show on Hulu about how we need to be better to women. And then, like, the people exit the stage and they, like, shake hands with Harvey Weinstein and, like, profited off of her sex tape once again. I just think it's really fucked up how all of these award shows are just people circle jerking each other. Oh, my God. You're so rich and privileged, but now you're also talented. You're the most talented. Here's an award. Now go up on stage and tell everyone else how they should do better. Anyway. <laughs> I just don't like the Oscars. Like, shut up. Okay, anyway. Rachel Zeckler was not invited, and she tweeted that, like, she would be watching um, the award show in sweatpants and her boyfriend's flannel or something. And everybody was like, oh, my God, you're not invited. It, it spurred, like, this huge thing. And everybody was like, we need to get her invited. Like, this is the first time she would go to the Oscars. I think she's, like, an upcoming new actress on the scene. And she even put out an Instagram story being like, or her post being like, yeah, you know, I'm sorry about it, but like, thank you everyone for your support. And she specifically thanked people for their outrage. So I was like, damn, okay, like let's get behind this, get Rachel to the Oscars, like get it fucking trending. Obviously it blew up online. She was invited to the Oscars, but then it came out that the reason she wasn't invited is because she is filming a new movie, uh, Snow White. In, which now that I think about it, I feel like that's the only movie that like Snow White has not really gotten as much attention as the other Disney movies. So that'll be interesting. So she's filming that in the UK. And the reason they didn't invite her was because I think they just don't invite actors or actresses who are um, working on a set. Because especially with COVID regulations, she now is going to have to quarantine the UK has such strict rules with COVID that that entire set of Snow White is getting pushed back three weeks so she can go to the Oscars. And I, I don't know if you know anything about like the film industry or how much it costs to make a movie, but even if you delay it by just a couple days or a week, like that's a huge amount of money. So anyway, I guess she's going to the Oscars, but it's going to get delayed three weeks. So I'm curious what your thoughts are on it. I think it's a little bit of an eye roll, but that's just because I already hate the Oscars. So I'm sure if I was getting one of those little bronze men, I would throw those thoughts out in the window and be like, I don't care how much it costs. I want an Oscar to stick in my bathroom. Okay. Some people have been DMing me and they were like, Shannon, <laughs> my God, this feels so weird. They're like, Shannon, you should do a personal... Um, episode like about yourself or like Q&A or things like that and I was like oh like I don't think so and they were like just like a section so I said that I would do a section at the end and I put you know some questions to answer on my Instagram story and can I be honest with you I have tried recording it a couple different times and I'm just like it's so cringe like I can't which is funny because I used to blog about my life very dramatically. So I'm not, you know, I'm very used to talking about myself. Um, but some of the questions, I guess, were kind of 
tricky. And I don't know. I guess I had this idea with my podcast. I'm like, the podcast is doing well because I don't talk about myself. And everyone is like a narcissistic podcaster who just wants to talk about themselves. But like, I figured out how to hack it. Content, 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 and nothing about yourself. And then I tried talking about myself and I was like, fuck me. This is like kind of hard. So I'll answer a few questions, but I am going to bitch out on the really personal ones because I decided that that is actually harder than I thought. Okay. So we'll just do a little bit of this our toe into the pool of possibility. Somebody asked, what are your big three for the Zodiac? Love that you asked that. I'm trying to get more into astrology. I am a Gemini sun because I love to gossip. I am a Leo moon because I'm super emotionally dramatic. Just ask my boyfriend. And I am a Scorpio rising, which is probably why I am obsessed with Epstein and cults and the occult and things like that. Somebody asked, what is your day job? And I do marketing for a health tech company. Ever since I graduated, I've worked for a bunch of technology startups in the healthcare field. So that is probably the most opposite thing from celebrity gossip that you could possibly imagine whatsoever. But I don't know. That's just been what what it's been. Somebody also asked, uh, where have you lived? Uh, a bunch of questions about this. You mentioned that you've moved. Tell us about it. So I was born in New Jersey. Yes, there will be an upcoming Jersey Shore episode one of these days, Dirty Jersey. And where I lived in New Jersey, it was very much not like the Jersey Shore. It was like, you know, it was it was like rich white suburbs. You know what I mean? Like I took horseback riding lessons. Yes, I was a horse girl. Oh my God, obsessed, obsessed with horses. And I know that that's lame, but like, I don't know. I watched the Saddle Club growing up. I would play like horse video games. I would actually wear horse t-shirt shirts to school. So if you thought that I was cool, please <laughs> let me uh, let me disband that belief. So when I was just a couple months old, we moved to Ireland for a few years. Uh, Shannon McNamara, you know, I feel like it just kind of fit. Then we moved back to New Jersey. Then we moved to New Zealand for about a year. Then we went back to New Jersey. And I actually was like not bullied. Um... But it was a little bit hard to make friends when I came back because I had this mixture because I was so young when we lived in these places. I had this mixture of like an Irish and Kiwi accent. So people would call on me for popcorn reading at school, you know, like read a sentence, call on someone, read another sentence. <laughs> and no one would call on me because my accent was just so like fucked up that no one could understand what I was saying. And it got to the point, you know, where the teacher would be like, okay no one's called on Shannon and everyone else has gone like two times. Doesn't somebody want to call on Shannon? And you're like, shut up. Like, oh my God, don't call attention to it. Anyway, uh, obviously the accent is now gone. I do sometimes mispronounce words, but I don't think that's accent related. I think I'm just stupid. So then I went to Texas for college. I went to Rice University in Houston. I was in Chicago for six months. I got into a comedy program at the Second City. So it was six months. It was kind of like a study abroad program, but it was a study domestic. <laughs> and you went to Chicago and you trained at the Second City, which I, I think I mentioned it in this episode. That's where Tina Fey and Amy Poehler met. Stephen Colbert, Steve Carell, like every comedian has come out of the second city. And I took classes there. It's funny, our homework would be like to watch old episodes of SNL. And uh, I don't know, we had a physical comedy class. That was really fun. You learned how to like fake hit people on stage. So it looked like they were slapped when they actually weren't. And you learned how to do accents and stuff like that. I think I'm pretty good at accents, um, probably because I had one growing up. So I like doing stuff like that. 
we did improv classes, history of comedy. We did stand-up. Oh, my God. We did stand-up, and you had to go around Chicago and perform stand-up to, like, graduate or whatever. You know, it was, like, one of the tests that you had to do. I am not good at stand-up. I am really only good at improv. Improv is, like, where I shine, and I used to teach improv classes. One day, I I think I want to teach improv in the city. Um, So if anyone's in the city and wants to take an improv class, like, I'd love to find a space and, like, start teaching improv down here. Um, Anyway, we had to do stand-up, and I'm really bad at stand-up because to be a good stand-up comic, I feel like you have to go on stage, and within the first 15 seconds, if you're watching a stand-up comic— you decide if you like them or not, or at least what their shtick is, you know? Like, are you the uh, are you the messy guy who just, like, drinks beer? Are you, like, the prim girl who, um, I don't know. You know how, like, Louis C.K. or Dane Cook is, like, the fratty, shitty douchebag guy? Like, you need to have a shtick. And I got on stage and, like, I didn't have, like, a shtick. You know what I mean? Anyway, um, so my stand-up was horrible. I had this whole routine because back in college, I briefly dated this guy who was on my improv team, and he was a big-time YouTuber, although it's funny. I should look back. I was like, I wonder if I'm more big-time than him now. Um, I'm not going to say his name, but he was a big-time YouTuber, and obviously I'm like an internet creep, so I would like look up his YouTube handle and like see what other people thought about him out there, and I found fan fiction that somebody had written about him. And another male YouTuber having this like gay steamy hookup. You, my excitement when I found that fan fiction, it was like a 15 out of 10. I was so excited. (laughs) And I read this fan fiction and they didn't know his name. So they just used his YouTube username in it. So I'll just like make up usernames now. It would be like, you know, um, headphone user 17 pulled out bathrobe cloths member and stroked it and my friends and I were like drunk reading this cackling and obviously I brought it up to him the next day because like I have no filter and um he never talked to me again actually so that was how it ended anyway so I had the stand-up routine on that because I thought it was a funny story it bombed every time it was like so horrible anyway okay so then after Chicago um I moved to Florida and I lived in Tampa and I lived in St. Petersburg and then I moved to San Francisco, California. I lived three different places there and then I moved to New York and I was in the East Village and now I'm in the West Village and this is the place I like the most. Hopefully we stay here for a little bit. I think I've moved like 15 times in my life and despite all of that there is so much crap that I have because you know every time you move you're like how do I own all this shit god I only put questions that like a lot of people um wrote in and I'm very nervous to answer this one I don't know why I was talking to my therapist the other day and she was like you are suffering just from like being a creator and I was talking about that she's like you are suffering from extreme self-consciousness and I was like bitch you got that one right (laughs) so I don't know um okay whatever let's just talk about it A bunch of people wrote in and they were like, why do you consider yourself moderate politically? I think I mentioned that once. And I really only want to touch on this briefly because, like, I don't want this podcast to be a political thing. Um, You know, my whole view on politics is like, the fuck do I know about it? Please never let me, like, influence you ever. (laughs) Please make up your own mind about anything and everything. I do think politics is interesting because depending on your job and what city you live in, like, there's so many different priorities and values that people have. Um, So... Obviously, I talked about everywhere that I grew up. I've lived in red cities. I've lived in blue cities. Um, 
San Francisco was a super blue city. <laughs> you better believe the shit that I heard in San Francisco. Absolutely crazy. And I consider myself moderate. I have always voted always for Democrats, except one time I did vote for Gary Johnson and it was in San Francisco. You better believe my friends were like, you actually did a satanic move by voting for Gary Johnson. I was like, what? I was like, but third parties would be great. We need more third parties in this country. And they were like, fuck you. Anyway. Um, so my values, almost all of them are very, very liberal. I just consider myself moderate because, um, I really hate the division in this country. And I feel like growing up, politics were not as huge as they are now. I'm not saying one of those ignorant things of like, I, I'm just not a political person. Like, I understand that it's important. I think that everyone has a duty to vote. And also, it's just like the same thing as volunteering. Like, you feel good when you're informed. You feel good when you vote. So I'm, I'm all about that. I don't know. I just feel like nowadays everything's so divided and both sides really hate each other. And I just really can't get behind that. And I don't want to be a part of that. And I just think of all these times in history. i love reading history books. History was like one of my favorite classes growing up. I feel like we just learned so much. Like you learn so much about actually knowing and like reading a history book. Although you know what else you learn? Not like some of the history books are wrong because only winners write history and things like that. Anyway, so I just think that there hasn't been any good time uh, throughout history when two groups were like massively divided and they hate each other. Uh, did that ever lead to a good outcome? I don't think it did. So I just really dislike how you know, both sides view each other. I think conservatives view liberals as like stupid idiots who are wrong about everything and have like, you know, these like sinister, like I've read some QAnon stuff. They're like the intentions that they have for the new world order. I'm like, Jesus Christ. And then some liberal people are like, all conservatives are evil. Every conservative is like racist, homophobic, xenophobic, all these things. Um, and, you know, I have some, I have family members, friends all across the political spectrum. And I just think to myself, like, I feel like we're not trying to get to know each other because I don't think half of the country is evil. I don't think half of the country is an idiot. Um, so I don't know. I, could, I really like Andrew Yang, if anyone... Um, knew him. He was he was running for president last round and his motto was not left, not right, but forward. And he's starting the forward party, which like, come on, let's get a third party in this country. So that's just what I think. You know, typically I, I vote uh, liberal. I mean, I, you know, I've been vegan. I've dated women. I've shoved period cups up my Vienna. Um, I've had nonprofits for years. Like all of my values are very, very liberal, but I just, you know, I just can't get behind the division in the country and I feel like it's not great. Okay. Ooh, don't give me a one star. <laughs> okay. This is also a little bit of a hot question, but it was written in, it was probably the most written in question. And that was, are you married? Are you single? Are you bi? I'm getting bi vibes from you. Was it easy coming to terms with your sexuality? Was it easy to come out? What's it like dating a man while bi? So I feel like some people know, some people don't. Um, I do have a boyfriend. He's the best. He he came on for an earlier episode at the end and we talked about like dating and stuff like that. Um, my boyfriend's fantastic. His name is John. I, I'm not like nuts about labels, but you know, what's a label other than a word to describe something? So I guess technically I would be bi or pan. I honestly, I know what the difference is, but to me, it's just like, fuck it. Like, I don't know. I'm actually researching right now. Um, queer, bi, and lesbian celebrities in Hollywood because, spoiler alert, that is going to be next Monday's episode. I'll talk about that more at the end. And there was a quote from, I think it was Sarah Paulson, I think. We'll, we'll talk more about it next episode, where she was like, you know, I've, I, I've dated men, but then I met, you know, this woman, her partner now, and she was like, 
if I met her earlier in my life, maybe she would have been the first person I fell in love with and I would have considered myself a lesbian since like age 18 on. And I kind of agree with that viewpoint around it. I think that everyone is born bi. I really do. And then I think that uh, your family, you know, the place that you're raised in, the religion, the lifestyle, and who you meet throughout your life kind of puts you on one edge of the spectrum or the other. So there's been like three girls in my life. Oh, woman. <laughs> woman. Actually, no, I think one of we were both under 18 for one of them. Report me. Anyway, um, so there's been three females throughout my life that I have just fallen like madly in love with. Um, but if I didn't meet those three specific girls, I might think that I was straight, you know? And if I met, I'm sure that there's more girls out there that I would fall in love with. And if I met them earlier, maybe I would consider myself gay, you know? I, I just think it, for me, it just depends so much on the person. Um, was it easy to come out? I've never really come out. Like, I've never really announced it. Um, I've talked to my sister about it. My family follows me on socials and I talk about it pretty openly on there, but I've never like sat down and had a discussion about it. I think it's because I realized, you know, where I stood in that later on in life. Um, but if my boyfriend and I were ever, God forbid, to break up, I don't even want to say that. Let's say he got hit by a car. <laughs> no. Let's say if we were ever to break up and I started dating a woman, I would probably just bring it up the same way. I, I don't know. I talk about it very casually now because I just assume everyone's by and I've talked about it with some coworkers. I'm like, oh yeah, my ex girlfriend, and I'll see their eyes go wide, and I'm like, oh right, right, right. <laughs> that might be surprising to people, but yeah, I, coming to terms with it. Oh god, a lot of people were like, was it easy coming to terms with your sexuality? And it's funny because now I think it is. If you're younger, if you're like in high school or college, it was not easy for me. I didn't come to terms with it for a long time. Anyway, what would happen is I would meet a girl. <laughs> girl meets girl you know how the story goes and we would become fast friends like fast friends and you would be like oh my god I've met my friend soulmate but then you would start to notice why do I get nervous before I see her and if she's coming over to like my house or my dorm room why am I changing my outfit three different times to make sure I look good I don't do that with my other friends and then it would always start as something where like one person would confess to the other oh yeah like I don't know. Like, I definitely, like, I'm boy crazy. I'm certainly boy crazy. But, you know, there's, like, a video I saw of two girls kissing. And, like, you know, it was, like, fun to watch. And then the other person would be like, oh, yeah, I think that too. Like, send it to me. Like, of course I'm not gay. Like, I like boys. But, like, you know, I have a couple of videos I could send you too. And it's weird. Like, all of those, like, early relationships when I was trying to figure stuff out, it was almost like me and this really good girlfriend shared this hobby. And the hobby was like being bisexual, but like we weren't gay, but we would both talk about it all the time. It's just like, I feel like if you can relate, you can relate. It's just like you have all these conversations about like, I don't know, you're trying to figure it out together and you haven't come to terms with your sexuality. So you're not making a move on the other person until maybe one day you do. And then it's awkward. And then you have this huge friendship breakup when really it's a heartbreak, but you haven't come to terms with your sexuality. So you won't admit that you love them and blah, blah, blah. Anyway. Um, what was the question? <laughs> oh, dating a man while bi. Um, I don't know. I don't really, I'm just, I'm just so about the person that I don't really uh, think about it. Also for me, let's say throughout my life, maybe there's four to five women I've had like intense, like loving crushes on. And there's probably maybe like 50 men that it's, it's been like that. So I don't know, whatever that means, whatever that means. Um, okay. Let's move along. Okay. Somebody said, do you feel like listeners try to act as if you and beyond the blinds are competing? Oh my God, drama. Um, 
can I tell you something? So when I when I first started the podcast, I like hastily threw it together on like kitchen counter. Each episode was like 20 minutes. I made the design on Canva and I like threw it up on Anchor. I was like, I guess this is it. I didn't even realize that you could review the podcast until a month later. I found the app for it and I was like, oh shit, <laughs> I have a bunch of reviews. And one day I was on Instagram and somebody tagged me in a story where they're like, podcasts I'm listening to. And I was tagged and Beyond the Blinds was tagged. And I was like, oh my God, blinds. And I looked it up. And the minute I saw their album art, I was like, they're going to fucking hate me because we used the same. We both made it in Canva and we used the same like neon pink sign. I was like, fuck, they're totally going to think I copied them because I started after them. I'm doing blind items. Like what other blind item podcasts are there? It's really just the two of us. And I use the same font. Like they're going to think I copied them directly anyway. But we reached out. We were both on each other's shows. And, you know, I, I think we have nothing but love for the other person. Also, I was kind of like, ah, you know what? Like, they're doing individual celebrities. Why don't I make my show, like, movies and TV shows? That way, like, there's so much to cover in Hollywood. We can both, like, come at it from different angles. And then, of course, I met Troy and Kelly when they came to the New York show. Um, they were just, like, so fantastic and so fucking funny, too. They're so funny. And they're both going to be moving to New York. So I'm like, oh, my God, it's going to be so fun. We can do stuff together in the future. But Kelly and I went out to dinner, and she did say that at both of the live shows, people asked, like, oh, like, is there anything, is there any drama between, like, you and Fluently Forward? Sadly, there's not. I think, I just think the best of them. Um, but if you ask me about Dumois, there is drama. No, there actually isn't. I'm trying to figure out, should I do a fake let's go to war with Dumois? You know, like, war paint on, videos trying to get people on Carbone on my side, trying to get NT to say something bad about Dumois, like fake internet beef? Or should I make a video waving the white flag with a pair of underwear on a stick and being like, please unblock me, please? I think it will go one way or the other, but I think it's fun. I think it's fun to have internet beef. Some people ask some more questions, but honestly, it feels very, very weird to just sit here and talk about myself. I feel like this is fucking boring. Okay. So thank you so much for listening and I will catch you guys next week for a very fun episode with Zara and Dana. Bye guys. Bye.